Carter Report presents worship from the Community Adventist Fellowship in Glendale, California. A special welcome to all of our viewers in North America and our new friends and churches in Russia. Today you'll enjoy uplifting music and the preaching of the everlasting gospel by pastor, teacher, and evangelist John Carter. Please get your Bible and study the Word of God with us today. Thank you for joining us for Worship and Praise.
want to thank you, Martha, so much for singing for us this morning. What a wonderful song. The story of God's amazing grace. I want to welcome each person again today to the Community Adventist Fellowship. Let you know how glad we are that you've joined us today. I want to send special greetings too to our friends across North America, particularly to Danny and Linda with Three Angels Broadcasting Network who are such wonderful supporters in the preaching of the everlasting gospel. And we want to thank you today for joining us on our television programs. The author of Amazing Grace was a sea captain. His name was Newton. He was born in 1725 in London. As a young man, he went to sea, became a slave trader. He participated in the capture and the sale of black slaves. He went so far down morally, he lost everything, and he actually became a slave of the slaves in Africa. He became debased, wanted to give up life. Through the providence of God, this man escaped. He found some refuge. His father's friend came and delivered him from slavery. And then he came down with a tremendous malignant fever. They felt sure that he was going to die. But he recovered. And then when he set to sea again, a tremendous storm came down upon the ship. Everybody thought the ship was going to sink, but he was delivered again. He had a marvelous wife. She was a committed Christian. And her name was Mary, and she was praying for him. Somebody gave him the wonderful little book by Thomas Akempis, the famous masterpiece, The Imitation of Christ. And he read the book, and he felt his heart strangely warmed. He came back to England, he gave up the sea, and then he heard two men preach. And they changed his life as nothing ever before, George Whitfield and John Wesley. And he was thoroughly converted through their ministry. In 1764, he was ordained to the gospel ministry as an Anglican priest. In 1807, John Newton died. He wrote his own epitaph. On his grave are the words today, John Newton, clerk, once an infidel and libertine, a servant of slaves in Africa, was by the rich mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ preserved, restored, pardoned, and appointed to preach the faith he had long labored to destroy. Near 16 years at Olney in Box and 27 years in this church. From the depth of his soul, Redeemed by grace, he wrote the words, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I want you to turn to one of the great passages on grace in the Bible, to the book of Ephesians chapter 2, and verses 1 to 10. It is page 825, dear people, 
Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. And if you can reach a Bible, please turn to it. And I encourage each of you to bring your Bible to church. Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I want you to be founded on the word of God. Ephesians 2, page 827, written by the Apostle of Grace, Paul. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the way of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the, look at it, that he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I want every person here today to know this, that this Bible is the story of God's grace from beginning to end. There are some of my dear Christian friends who believe that people in Old Testament times were saved by law, apart from grace, and people in New Testament times are saved by grace, and the law of God is abolished. And so they have 2,000 years of grace, but the rest of humanity is salvation by law or salvation by an enlightened conscience or some other way. I do not believe in 2,000 years of grace. I believe in grace from the time there was a sinner in the world. I do not minimize the grace of God. I believe that every person who is going to make it to the other shore will be there saved by grace. You imagine if some people got to heaven and we went up to them and said, we're glad that you're here. How did you get here? And the person said, I am here because I kept the commandments of God. I'm here because I obeyed my conscience. And you would say, but I'm here by grace. There would be two categories of people in heaven. My friend, there is going to be one category of people in heaven. People saved by grace. It's the only way a person can be saved. By God's glorious grace. The Bible is the story of God's grace. 
from Genesis to Revelation. And I would urge you today to believe in the grace of God. What is grace? When the Bible says that we are saved by grace, what is this marvelous grace? What is grace? The Bible tells me that grace and the text told us today, it is God's inexpressible kindness. It is God's mercy to us who do not deserve mercy. You may say, I could never forgive this person because he does not deserve it. But that is why God forgives us. Not because we deserve mercy, but because he is gracious and long-suffering. John Newton, when he was dying, these are his dying words. He said, my memory is nearly gone, but I can remember two things, that I am a great sinner and that Jesus Christ is a great Savior. That is the story of God's grace. Every person here today in this church whether we realize it or not, every one of us is a great sinner. We've all sinned against our consciences. None of us are what we ought to be. None of us are what we could be or should be. We are all great sinners. But the Bible tells us that Jesus is a greater Savior. And the Bible tells us for the person who recognizes that he is a great sinner, as did John Newton, that saint of God. The Bible tells me for the person who recognizes his sinfulness, there is great grace. Let me tell you where I went to when I graduated from Avondale College. Beverly and I got married with the sum total of 80 pounds. We pooled our resources. It didn't take long. <laughs> A pound was worth two dollars. We traveled from Brisbane down to Sydney and we got on a train that was called the Silver City Comet. That was a rather eulogistic statement. Uh, it was very fast and very rough. It traveled to the outback of the outback. Uh, I've repeated the poem to you good folks, Banjo Patterson's famous poem, On the Outer Baku, where the churches are few and men of religion are scanty, on a path seldom crossed, save by folks that are lost. One McGuinness McGee had a shanty. And then it goes on and it talks about McGuinness McGee and how he was christened as a little boy. And it's a very amusing poem, which is not appropriate for this dignified occasion or for this dignified audience. But we went to a place where McGuinness McGee had never been to. In the outback of Australia, you have raw, savage desert. As we traveled on the Silver City Comet, named after the Silver City, which was Broken Hill, we came past great sand dunes, like in the Sahara Desert. And you would see camels. There are more camels in Australia than in the Middle East. And as we traveled through this barren wilderness, after a couple of days of traveling, we came to the Silver City, which also was somewhat 
um, somewhat um, more gracious than it needed to be, the term at least. Broken Hill is not a big city. It is a city, I think it still is there, it is a city of some 35,000 people, completely isolated from the rest of Australia by hundreds and hundreds of miles of blazing desert sands, like the Sahara Desert. In summer, it was like living in a desert when the temperature would reach 110 degrees, almost as bad as Dallas, Texas. <laughs> Forgive me, my friends in Dallas, Texas. But Texas gets extremely hot. It was not as bad as Texas because there was no humidity. And Texas, of course, is very high in humidity. We've lived in Texas for several years, and we love Texas, and we love the Texans. But boy, in summer, you better stay indoors. And while we were there in the Silver City with Pastor and Mrs. Eddie Tottenhofer, we helped to conduct an evangelistic campaign. I can still see Argent Street, and I can still, still see the place where we, where we first lived, because the houses there were made of metal, they were made of iron, and air-conditioned, but they were made of iron because uh, the iron would cool down very quickly in the evening, and stone houses would retain their heat, and so most, almost, almost every house in Broken Hill was made out of, out of iron. And I can remember how we did evangelism in those days because we were too poor to, to own a car. Beverly went and sold books and walked 20 or 30 miles a day. I would do the same, only I think I walked further. I would start work in the morning at 9 o'clock and I would walk all day and I would visit the people that I was studying the Bible with and get home at 10 or 11 at night. I would walk around the city six times every week. It was a good experience to look back on. I can remember one person with whom I studied the Bible. His name was Reg Pride. Pride by name and pride by nature. His wife was also a a disciple of John Wesley, but he was not. And she had tried to get him to the Argent Street Methodist Church. Remember Argent Street, and Bromide Street, and Oxnard Street, and all the minerals. Because Broken Hill was a great mining town where they mined lead and silver and zinc and gold. A great mine. And when I went to visit Reg Pride, he said to me, I am, an, I am an unbeliever. I have no time for God. He said, my wife and I are having such a, a bad marriage, though in their 70s, that we are planning to divorce. And she said to me, if you can do anything for the old sinner, then do whatever you can. <laughs> but she was an old sinner too, but one that went to church. There are two types of sinners open sinners, and those who are sinners inside. So every person is a sinner. I went to study with him, and I tried to teach him the story of the gospel. And Mr. Pride, who was an engineer, said to me, 
I cannot understand this. I believe that a person can only be saved by doing his best. And of course, that's an impossibility. Nobody will ever be saved because he's done his best. Did you hear this? That is one of the greatest lies that the devil has ever invented, that people can be saved by doing our best. None of us have ever done our best. And even if we did our best, our best is not good enough. I can remember on those hot summer days, Mr. Pride would take me down into the cellar, way underneath his home. His home was a, a, a stone house. But down in the cellar, it was about 65 degrees when it was 110 outside. And I can remember sitting there and reading the Bible to him. And I tried to explain to him the grace of God. I said, Mr. Pride, I want you to imagine that somebody comes into your home and he steals from you and he attacks you. And you had become a Christian. How would you respond to him? He said, I would break his descriptive neck. And I said, that is, that is how the world operates. But this is not how God operates. God does not treat us as we deserve. We've all broken the commandments of God and every one of us is deserving of the death sentence. But the Bible tells me that I am saved by grace through faith. And as the months went by, the grace of God worked on the old hard heart of Reg Pride and he gave his life to Christ. And when he died, his wife contacted me and she said, I was not home when he died, I was out doing some church work. And I found him next to his, his machine for playing music. And he was playing, had, he'd gone down to the store and he'd purchased the hymn on a hill far away. And he was playing that old hymn when he died, saved by grace. This was a doctrine that my father could never understand because he'd been brought up in the bosom of Catholicism. And my father had tried as hard as any man to be a good person, but he had failed. And my father could never accept the doctrine that a person could be saved by grace. But he came to accept it after some 70 years. I want you to know today that the only way that you and I will ever make it home to the kingdom of God is by God's grace and his mercy. None of us deserve it, my friend. I want to tell you something, how you can tell whether you're in grace or not. Would you like to know? It's a very simple test. Do you forgive your enemies? Are you gracious to people who are ungracious to you? Or do you have hatred and resentment in your heart and you do not forgive your enemies? Let me tell you, if you and I do not forgive our enemies by grace, God will not forgive our sins. The test of my discipleship is simple. Am I prepared to be gracious and forgive my enemies? God's grace is seen in all his mighty acts of redemption. The greatest act of God's grace is seen in the gift of Jesus to this world. When God saw us all go astray, he didn't give up on us. 
God didn't give up on me when I went astray. God hasn't given up on me yet. And he hasn't given up on you. But when we went astray, instead of damning us, and obliterating us, the Bible says he gave his own son. That was grace. Jesus came and lived in this world, kept the law of God perfectly, died for our sins on the cross, made an atonement for our sins, and rose from the dead. He's now our high priest in heaven. He intercedes for us today. That's the grace of God. We don't deserve it, my friend. Let me open my heart a little to you, because I think you empathize with what I'm saying. I've had people over the last few years come to me in California, and it's true everywhere in the world, and they've said to me, we left the church because the church was filled with so many hard people. Did you know that millions are leaving the church because people in the church do not understand grace? The church does not exist as a museum for saints. It is, it is a place where sinners come to be saved and to be healed. And I'm not here today because I'm a sinless person. I'm not here because I'm good. I'm here because I need grace. And I need mercy. And I need forgiveness. And so do you. And the greatest act of God to this world was when he gave Jesus. That was the act of grace. When God forgives my sins, when I don't deserve it, it is mercy and grace. I want you to come to what some people would say is the greatest passage in the Bible. Page 797, the book of Romans, chapter 3. I love the book of Romans. Love the book of Romans. The British reformer Tyndale called it good, glad and merry tidings that makes a man's heart to sing for joy and his feet to dance. It's the great book in salvation. Page 797, Romans 3 and verse 19. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight. What does it say? By observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. Now, there may be a person sitting here today from a legalistic background, and you're counting on your performance to be saved. Let me tell you something. It's not going to work. The Bible says that no person is declared righteous by keeping the law. Now why is this so? Because there is not a single solitary soul in the whole wide world except Jesus who has ever kept the law of God perfectly. Otherwise, we wouldn't need a savior. And so the Bible says nobody can be saved by keeping the law. The law simply tells us that we are sinners. And, and the law drives me to Christ so that I can be justified by his grace. Read on, please, verse 20 now, 21 and onwards. But now a righteousness from God, apart from law, has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. It's in harmony with the law, 
This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It says fall short. That means now. All have sinned in the past and we fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. The Bible tells me that I'm saved by grace. The Bible tells me I'm forgiven by grace. The Bible tells me that God accounts me righteous by grace. Not because I'm good enough, but because Christ is good enough. So the Bible tells me from beginning to end, and that's the way it's always been. That's the way Noah was saved. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. That's the way Moses was saved, by grace in God. The Bible says in the book of Galatians that God preached the gospel to Abraham. Abraham wasn't saved by being good enough or by keeping the law. He was saved by the grace of God. And God forgives us not because we're worthy, but because his son is worthy. And so forgiveness is an act of grace. The act of changing the life is also an act of grace. I want you to come to page 860, to 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. I love this passage. This was one of the, the favorite passages of, of John Wesley. He used to preach on it a lot. Page 860 in the Bible. And it's good to hear the pages of the Bible being turned. Page 860, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2 and onwards. And it's a great passage about grace. It says, grace and what? Would you like to know how to get peace? How do we get peace? We get peace by accepting grace. That's how you get grace. You, you, you get grace by coming to Christ, but then you, you get peace by accepting God's grace. They go together. You can't have peace without grace. Grace and peace to be, be to you. Be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises. Isn't that great? Great, very great, precious promises. So that through them you may become, uh, you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. This is all grace. The Bible says grace and peace. And then the Bible says God has given us these great and these precious promises. And these great and precious promises can help me to, par to participate in the divine nature. And I can escape the corruption in the world. So we're not talking today about cheap grace. What is cheap grace? Oh, my friend, it's everywhere. Cheap grace. What is cheap grace? Cheap grace is when the preacher says, now you just come to Jesus and you just believe in Jesus and now you can do anything you like. You're saved by grace. You, nobody can keep those old commandments. Those old commandments are Jewish 
and they're burdensome. Now you're saved by grace. All you've got to do is revel in the grace of God and basically do what you like. That's cheap grace. That's an affront to the name of Christ. We don't believe in cheap grace. We believe in expensive grace. Expensive grace, so expensive that it costs the life of God's own son. And when a person accepts the true grace of God, and when he comes to Jesus, I want you to know something, there is a radical change in the life. And the grace of God gets inside that person, and he becomes a participator. He becomes a, a, a person who revels in the grace of God, and the promises of God, and the promises of God change his life. And so, the grace of God sent Jesus, the grace of God forgives my sin, and the grace of God changes the life, as with John Newton. How sweet the sound. And I want to share with you today now, how God's grace is working in the lives of people. Uh, in this church, we're not just here to talk about theory. I really seem to think we talk too much about theory. But I want now you to hear some of the stories of God's grace in the lives of some beautiful people. Now we haven't rehearsed this. Uh, we don't know what they're going to say. But I have confidence in these people to know they're going to tell us stories of the grace of God. Listen friend, I want a Christianity that really works, don't you? I want a Christianity that's not just like the, you know, the icing on the cake. It's sweet, it looks good, but doesn't do you a lot of good. I want a Christianity that works, that is full of joy, and full of peace, and full of power. Now, I want you to meet today Michael Holland. Michael J., where are you? Would you like to come, Michael? You got this working, Bob? Mm -hmm. Michael, we're glad that you're with us today. Thank you. Uh, Michael, we saw you at the meetings. That's correct. And we see you every Sabbath out in the parking lot. Yeah. Uh, yes. That is correct. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Michael is a missionary. And uh, he's joined this church, and we're, we're delighted that he's a member of this church. Tell us, and these folks obviously are too. Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Michael, where do you come from? Uh, New York, Long Island. Mm -hmm. How long have you lived in, in Los Angeles? About two years now. Tell us a little about your experience. Tell us about yourself. Sure. sure. Tell us what you do. I'm a writer, an actor. Uh, mm -hmm. When I got here, I was like, uh, you know, I was lost, frustrated, especially in that, in that type of business. And uh, one particular night, I, uh, I mean, you know, when the whole world just come down on you. And I was crying. It's the kind of crying where you cry so much you just can't cry anymore. Mm -hmm. And uh, at that, I was in my room on my bed crying. What part of Los Angeles? Uh, Los Feliz. It's near uh -huh. here, the Los Feliz area. Mm -hmm. Well, anyway, when I, when I finished crying, I, I found myself staring at one of my two radios. It was, it was the one that I never turned on. And when I got finished crying, I was looking at it, and, and it was so amazing. Something said, turn it on. Now, I never used this particular radio. Well, anyway, I, I turned it on. And when I turned it on, this pastor was, was preaching. Now keep in mind, a month had gone on, I was so depressed and just messed up, and going to churches. Well anyway, this pastor was preaching, and he just, he just made me really happy. 
And I remember it said something, 3333 Colorado Boulevard. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, anyway, he finally, and he had an Australian accent. Well, anyway, it, 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 it finally ended. And because this pastor made me feel good, immediately I started to turn the radio real fast, trying to find someone else. It didn't happen that night. Well, anyway, I, I dozed up and went to sleep. And this, this That often happens in my church services, too. <laughs> yeah. Well, this voice kept ringing because it was an Australian voice. It kept ringing, ringing. So the next morning, I, I said, I got to find out with this guy. And I remember this 333. Well, anyway, I came here in this beautiful church. And, and, and then I was upset because when I got here, I learned that he was in Russia. That means I was selfish. In any event, but he, he kept preaching because the radio that night and all that other good stuff. And uh, I was just so touched. And I realized that it wasn't about my writing. It wasn't about my acting. It was about trying to find that feeling that I felt that night I listened to as I learned Pastor Carter. And uh, when he finally got back and listening to him preaching and meeting the people here, I was just so touching. Believe it or not, I mean, I'm completely excited. And, and I recently got baptized. And, and I've learned one important, about, one important thing about being baptized, okay, is especially by, by Pastor Carter, I personally feel is that now I feel like a five-year-old baby. What I mean by that is this. When you're five years old, your kid, when, doesn't matter how bad, how good, you know, uh, a problem or situation is, Take it to mommy. Take it to daddy. And what I've learned here is that my mommy and my daddy is Jesus. That's right. You understand? Yeah. And, 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 and that's what's so important. You know? And when I don't get that immediate stuff, I know I can come to anyone here, and they'll help me through it. And this is so, what's so great about my experience in being here at the Carter Report. Bless you. Thank you. Good to have you, Mike. Bless you. Mm -hmm. I'm blessed. You. Thank you. Now we're glad to have Kathy with us, Kathy Minwick. Glad that you're here today, Kathy. Mm -hmm. Want to give you a very special welcome here today. Just come over a little closer. I'm quite harmless. I really am. Uh, Kathy, uh, do you live in Los Angeles? Uh, yes, Los Angeles County. So you've always lived here? Yes, always. Tell us uh, a little bit about yourself. What do you do? Um, I manage an office for a food brokerage company that's run by a friend of mine. Well, that's wonderful. How long have you been coming to our church? Um, about two months. What brought you along? The meetings in Pasadena and my friend that was going to those meetings that brought okay, me there. Okay, okay. That was Cindy? Yes. She brought you. We're going to interview Cindy in a moment. Um, what brought you to the meetings in, in Pasadena? What encouraged you to go? The knowledge. The opening of the eyes of, of the Bible that I've never had anywhere else. How did you see? Was it because of, of your girlfriend? Did she, did, did, you, did she give you a handbill or did you see it on television? Or? Well, she just said, well, you know, I'm, I'm listening to this, okay, these, going so to these meetings and she brought me. Yeah. What impressed you as you studied the Bible? How clear with God's blessing the word becomes. Mm -hmm. When before, when you struggle along to read it without asking for help, that you're, you just can't. It doesn't make any sense at all. But when you ask for his help and his guidance, it's all there right in front of you. Have you been blessed? Yes. Many times in many ways, but especially now that things are a lot more clear to me. Do you have peace? Yes. I'm very happy for the first time in a long time and yes. very content with my life. And you believe that that Jesus is your Savior? Always. And you feel good inside about it? Oh, yes. <laughs> and we're just feeling good inside about you today. <laughs> we, want to, uh, we want to say this on behalf of this beautiful congregation. 
how glad we are that you're a part of us. And God bless you richly. Thank you for who you are. Bless you. Bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Cindy, the lady who brought Kathy. Cindy, uh, we're just ever so glad that you're here. Just come over a little closer. You folks all keep moving. I don't bite, I don't bite anybody. I'm, I'm relatively harmless. At least my folks think so here. Some others may not, but we're just glad that you're here with us, Cindy. Tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you do? Um, I own the food brokerage company that Kathy So, so this, we work together. That's right. We work together, and um, I was born and raised in Pasadena, California. So and, you're a Pasadena citizen. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And um, now I live in Diamond Bar, and that's where we have the business. Where's so, Diamond Bar? Diamond Bar is about uh, 45 minutes from here. Mm-hmm. So it's a good little drive, but Which it's worth way? it. Uh, east. Uh-huh. And you come that distance every Sabbath? Mm-hmm. Tuesday and Thursday now. 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's about the time we take to come from... Uh, Thousand Oaks, way. yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us about the meetings in Pasadena because you went to those meetings. What brought mm-hmm. you to those meetings? Uh, actually, my father had read an uh, article in a newspaper, and my mom. So it was the advertising mm-hmm. in the Pasadena mm-hmm. newspaper. Okay. And um, I was brought up in sort of a. Uh, my mom and dad. I always refer to them as like Christian Ozzie and Harriet. And they're and, lovely folks. Mm-hmm. They're here today. Just. Mm-hmm. And, um, Sweet, beautiful people. So I had always mm. been raised in that, and sometimes you take it for granted. And um, as I was growing up, I tend to uh, go my own way for a little while, um, my own foolish way. But um, ironically, my father had said, uh, you know, I saw this article, and we went, and this guy's this Australian guy's uh, really pretty good. He's very knowledgeable. My dad was always big on, you know, is it the truth, and is it from the Bible? And mm-hmm. um, That's important. So uh, he said, you know, you might want to come along with me. And I said, oh, you know, all right. And from the first time when I came, I thought, boy, this is great. I, I had never learned so much about the Bible since we first started coming. Mm-hmm. Then I have, you know, been born and raised in it, and I always heard it, and, and I knew, oh, I love God, I know I want to go to heaven. But I'd never, um, I, I never understood it like I did the way you explained it and the way you explained the way things are going to happen. I always felt nervous, like, I, I just wouldn't want to miss out. I don't know who the Antichrist is. I don't know. Mm-hmm. If, am I going to know all these things and all these monsters in Revelation? I know mm-hmm. they're coming, but uh-huh. I, I, didn't, I really thought that. I, yeah, I, just, I, I used to ask my dad, well, how am I going to know? I don't know. Yeah. And um, you, you, when... When you explained, I thought, I get it now. And I told Kathy, you, you, you got to hear, you got to come hear this guy, and you got to go, and come uh, on. And I'd put the tapes on at work, and <laughs> you know, uh-huh. so we were kind of listening to it. And, what does Jesus mean to you? Uh, he, he just, um, he's my Savior. Uh, I, I know that because I believe in what he's done for me, that he gives me great peace in my heart, and mm. that by believing in him, I'll live with him eternally. Now, the Sabbath was something new for you. Mm-hmm. New Tell for us me. what you think about the Sabbath. Um, as you brought out all the truths about that, thankfully I wasn't born with a, a block always. Like, I had no. my set ways. Sure. So when mm. you explained to me, I thought, oh my gosh, I've been going on the wrong day. And I, I better change over. You know, I just felt, mm. and then I started thinking of all these things like, oh, like, and the next thing you said was, now many of you are thinking about what will happen in your business. And I had been thinking, oh, we go to all these shows, and, uh, well... I thought, you know, people are always making so many demands on us, and if God died for us, then if that's what we're supposed to be doing, then one day out of the week is really not so hard to keep. And at our last show we went to, we said, you know, we're, we're leaving and we're keeping the Sabbath. Bless you. Good. Bless you. Good. Hmm. Uh, 
Are you happy here in this mm -hmm. church? Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. People here, I have to tell you, I've been raised in a church my whole life, mm -hmm. and, and um, so I've been in a lot of them. And, and there's no place, when we started coming to the meetings at first, we came in, everybody was like, so, hi, good to meet you. And it wasn't uh -huh. like it was someone told them, you better be friendly to these people and make it stick. Uh -huh. But it no. was genuine. Yes. And, and yeah. um, I said, you, and so I was telling Kathy, you've got to come. Everybody's yeah. so friendly and you won't believe it. And he's, he's telling it so good. I can't, I can't imagine this. And then after when we came here, everybody made a point to say hello to us and you know, give us a hug and yeah. so real. And I, I've been in a church where I went for 10 years and, and I can name on a couple handfuls the people that I know just because it's not that it's bad. It's just that um, it's just different. And, mm. and you sit next to people and nod at them and everybody leaves and goes their own way in here. There's a name for that, you know. What? <laughs> the chosen frozen. But <laughs> 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 well, it's not like that here. And we can't, we literally can't wait to get here. You know, we trip over ourselves to hurry up and, and get here. And um, not because we feel obligated, because we want to come and learn more and more, and we are. Bless you, Cindy. So. We're glad that you're a member. Thank you. Bless you, Richley. Bless you. Thank you. Bless you, Richley. That's wonderful. Uh, now a very distinguished gentleman, Pastor Richard Howard, and his precious wife is here today, and we're so glad. Uh, Pastor Howard, let's welcome him as a pastor of the Church of the Nazarene. Did you know that uh, you're starring in our newspaper? When you open our newspaper, there's a great picture of, of you there. But you made a point last Tuesday that mm -hmm. this photographer yes. could make things different. I looked at that and I was scared. <laughs> <coughs> he, uh, Bob, is, he's here today too. Oh, is he? Yeah. Um, but uh, we're just ever so glad that you're with us and we want you to feel more than welcome and we're talking to your wife also. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I pastored the Church of the Nazarene for a number of years. <clears throat> you know the scripture says, Pastor Carter, that he that hungereth and thirsts mm. after righteousness yes. shall be filled. Yes, indeed. And when I was invited by our daughter, who was invited by Ernesto, mm. I sat there in amazement at what came from you. And as I drove home, I said to the Lord, what a privilege to sit beneath the feet of a man of such stature. I don't say that to eulogize you. I say it because truth is truth. truth. And I said to some of your congregation, or members, whichever the case may be, that they have a gold mine here. Thank you. Thank you. I have had the privilege along the road of life to set beneath the feet of many professional ministers. And I say this with honesty, I say it with all my heart. I have never sat or heard someone as talented, as informative, as concise with the truth as you. Well, that's kind of you. That's kind of you. 
Let me tell you, you're being very nice. I could introduce you to a few who'd say some other things, but thank you for what you're saying. In fact, if I could say this, Pastor, uh, what you're saying, uh, Pastor Howard, reminds me of a man who was being introduced. He was running for President of the United States. And the man who introduced him made the most splendid remarks. And when the man who was being introduced got up, he said, I want to thank my friend for those remarkable statements he made about me. He said, uh, I must say this though, uh, Mr. So-and-so should ask the Lord to forgive him for those wild exaggerations. <laughs> and he said, uh, so maybe you need to. But then he said, uh, I'll need to ask the Lord to forgive me for enjoying it so much. <laughs> so tell us, tell us now a little of, we know that you're a mature, born-again Christian saved by grace. We can't talk about anything more important than grace. Tell us how your soul is motivated by grace. Tell us how grace operates in your life and what grace means to you. Well, God has done so much in my life across the years, it's, it's almost unbelievable. Mm. But when you broke in upon this Sabbath teaching, a light came on as these are on. And I have to confess to you in all the years of my ministry, all the years of, as a young Christian, nothing has excited me any more than being prepared for the Sabbath. It's mm, wonderful. And if I may express it in this terminology, it's like a joy leaping up inside. Mm -hmm. I began on Friday evening taking care of everything that needs to be done on Friday for the Sabbath. Not because I want to be recognized, but because of His love, yes. His grace, yes. and His devotion Amen. to leading me in the paths of righteousness. Yes. And of course, I have the greatest helpmate that any yes. man could want. Yes, indeed. But it is such a thrill to worship on the Lord's Day. Yes. The Sabbath. That it's, I can't exactly sit here, or stand here, excuse me, and tell you what's going on inside. Mm. It's not just on the Sabbath. It's all through the week, mm. waiting for it to come again. Well, bless you. That's, that's wonderful. We want you to know today that this congregation, every person here, respects you and your wife. We honor you. We, honor, uh, we, we love you. And we're so glad that you're a part of us. And we're just so glad that you're here today. God bless you. Bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Maria Garcia, Maria. We're glad that you're here today, Maria. Come and stand over here. I want to give you a welcome. Thank you. Tell me a little bit about yourself, Maria. What do you do? Okay, I'm an accountant. I, You're um, an accountant? Yes. Uh -huh. I live in Pasadena. Yes. I attended 
I receive a flyer, oh, an got... invitation about your meetings. Yes, yes. And I'm always fascinated, fascinated by the Bible, which mm. I was never able to read because it was forbidden in Mexico to do it. Uh -huh. I'm, a, I'm a Mexican. Yes. I came to this country when I was 23 years old mm -hmm. with my husband, mm. and um, and it was and I'm a, I was Catholic, 100% Catholic. And I was amazed by all the information that you provided for us and that got open to us in the um, auditorium in Pasadena. Have you got peace in your heart? Well, I learned to get it because my husband has suffered a sickness which is manic depressive. Uh -huh. And he blessed me many times by giving me a lot of strength to put up with the sickness which created many different problems. Besides that, it, I mean, we, one thing led to the other one, and I always surrendered to him, and he always delivered me out by giving me all the things that I needed to educate my daughters and to do all the things that we done. Maria, tell us, we thank God for that. Yes, I should too. Tell us about <laughs> grace. What does Jesus mean to you? Uh, Jesus has meant a lot for me because every time that I have had problems trying to cope with my husband's sickness, I always turn to him. And he always helped me out. One way or another, I was able to solve everything that came in my way because of him. And he was always wonderful. He, after a storm, he gave me peace. Bless you. Tell me this. Do you enjoy coming to church? Yes, I should do. I should do. That's the reason why I, you know, follow all your meetings in Pasadena. That's why I'm here. Yes. And I wish that God will give me the wisdom, the knowledge, and the eloquence to transmit this to my family so yes, they can indeed. also listen to the same message. Yeah, bless you. It's a wonderful message. May God bless you, Maria. Thank you. We're glad that you're with us. Glad that you're with us. So glad.